hated that. How are ya? Oh, I am just fucking peachy. I'm not peachy. I'm hot pink. Because Caitlin had a little... Tell him why. Caitlin had an incident. It was supposed to... What level of quarantine did you hit? A hair dye level. I'm supposed to you be... You hit the hair dye phase. I'm supposed to be a nice, cool purple, Haley. You see it. It's hot pink. We are we are it full... It is pretty hot pink. We are like DEFCON pink. Yeah, sometimes you get a home dye like that. Sometimes you shouldn't order dye off Ulta without, you know, looking at it's it first. Fun. I will say, I do smell like grape lip gloss from like the early 2000s and it's so good like i'm, I'm, I'm about to start huffing dye. the hair dye that's all right yeah it's fine it's quarantine doesn't matter people have done worse nothing matters nothing matters it's not like a, that's my thing too i was like you know what i might as well do it now since no one's gonna see me except for the people who don't exactly. give a fuck and my cats one of which didn't recognize exactly. me after i did it and got very upset Poor babe. He, he learned. He learned to deal with it. So what are we talking about this week? All right. So today we are talking about the murder of Scott Amador. Um, <gasps> yes. For those who aren't necessarily familiar with the case, um, this is also known as the Jenny Jones show murder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if that's the thing. Um, I know, like, the basic idea of this case. I don't know, like, the details. Okay. So, Scott Bernard Amadur was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on January 26th, 1963. And when he was 32, he found himself secretly in love with his neighbor and acquaintance, 24-year-old Jonathan Schmitz. Um, so he decided to do the normal thing and profess his love to Schmitz on the popular, in the way that Jerry Springer is popular, daytime TV show, The Jenny Jones Show. Grand gesture. Weird. A little bit. It kind of backs somebody into a corner. It's kind of like, not the coolest, chillest idea. Oh girl, just do wait. Just it's like wait. proposing to someone in like, a, a really mall. public place, like, like on what on like the one of those boards at the a sporting event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like yes! they, they have like the thing flash across like, Mary, will you marry me? And then they like uh they like put the the camera on you and then like you're kind of forced to say yes because if you say no, then the whole crowd's gonna boo and like that's so embarrassing. I think this is an Eleanor Shellstrop thing from the good place. Um I can't remember what TV show I heard this on, but I heard it and I was like, oh shit, I do that. Because does anybody else really love to watch the rejection videos of those public proposals where the girl's like, sorry, nah, mm -mm, can't do it. Not today. No, that, oh. that, hurt, that hurt my heart. They're so funny to me. <laughs> I'm a terrible person. Um, but whoever, whatever, maybe it was April Ludgate. Somebody also enjoys watching these things. And I was like, okay, so it can't be that bad. Um, I like to watch um, like bad high school productions like of like little shop of horrors because they have like Aww. that big puppet yeah. of the 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 um the plant mm -hmm. so like bad high school productions of like like bad costuming that's my oof chef's kiss Ooh, it's so good it's my drug <laughs> everybody's gotta have something for you it's yeah. bad high school productions of little shop of horrors for me it's apparently the grape smell of my hair dye 
But um, yeah. So, yeah. So he was like, I'm going to do it on a TV show. And she was quite literally like she kind of Jerry Springer started shortly before the Jenny Jones show. But both Jerry Springer and Maury, they kind of piggybacked off of this sensationalization and like this the is shitty literally tactics. the only time this is literally the only time i've ever heard of the jenny jones show like yeah no no one knows case, it. like i have no frame of reference other we than were this. little when it started and we i wasn't born when it started you i think were and 92. i was okay no you weren't born yet but you were alive when it was going on and so was i but it ended and we'll get into it when we were in like third and fourth grade yeah, so I wouldn't too young have to know had any. Yeah, yeah, and my mom sure as hell would not have let me watch it, but that's that's an episode for another day. So when the show reached out, he went he so Amager reached out to the show and was like, "I want to tell this guy I love him." So then the show reached out to Schmitz about appearing on a what they said to him was a secret admirers episode. What the episode actually was, mm. was same-sex secret admirers. And they didn't tell him that? No. So he agreed because he expected his admirer to be a woman. So... See, that's kind of backing someone into a corner, too. Oh, because honey. you shouldn't have to, like... You should be prepared for what the hell is going on. Because mm-hmm. even if the secret admirer was a woman and he wasn't attracted to her, it's not like he's going to be like, yeah, let's get married tomorrow. Right. Well, like, and that's a whole other thing. We'll get into that because it's fucked up, but obviously the fucked upness of it gets worse. Yeah. This it's already way too like secretive and shady to me. Oh, just wait. Whew, yeah. Just wait. So when Schmitz found out that Amager, who was a thirty two year old unemployed gay man living in a trailer, was in love with him. Obviously, that wasn't what he was expecting. Yes. Um, and he was further humiliated because before Jenny Jones had Amager describe to the TV audience, like the live audience and to the people at home, um, uh-huh. a fantasy that he had. She was like, what sexual fantasies do you have of this guy? And he talked oh, that's about so creepy. Yeah. And all the while Schmitz is backstage wearing noise canceling headphones. So he's not hearing any of this. Um, oh. So he's talking about a fantasy that involved Schmitz, a hammock and some whipped cream, strawberries and champagne. This was then later. It sounds discussed. like a classy. It sounds like a classy fantasy. I'm not I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I do want to know where this is going. Um, yeah. But. When he came out, he was informed of these fantasies, especially this one, and he was extremely embarrassed. And then, according to his yeah. lawyers, ultimately became enraged and unhinged. Um, footage that was later released shows Schmitz laughing and clearly looking very embarrassed. And he's just saying to Amager and their mutual friend Donna Riley, Donna introduced them, and she was brought on the show as like a, oh, like, like you know how they'll bring person. yeah how they'll bring like a friend on for the you're not the daddy po- videos things like that yeah um so he was just kind of like doing that awkward laugh where he was clearly very uncomfortable and yeah. saying quote you lied to me 
end quote. Ugh. Not great. So nope. then throughout the episode, what remained of it, Schmitz remained friendly towards Amager, but then he appeared embarrassed again when Jones had her staff roll back the footage of him talking about this sexual fantasy, at which point Schmitz is taped, recorded with his face in his hands, just covering his face. Um, yeah, but no one wants to be, like, put on the spot like that no! on TV in front of an audience, like... No matter who it is, that's still, like, really fucking embarrassing. Hell no. Especially when no one told you this was going to happen. Yes. And brought you here kind of under false pretenses. Yes. So then, so, it, it just, it gets worse. I'm sorry. There's no better way to say it. Yeah. Jones then asked Schmitz, after showing him this video, or, th- or this playback of this sexual fantasy discussion, asked him about his relationship status and he said he was single but very much straight and that while he was flattered he was not interested in pursuing a relationship yeah, that's about as nice as you could say yeah on live tv yeah though she was clearly like pre- like backstage everybody knew that he was straight she was acting yeah. like it was this thing like so you're gonna when give it a try a yeah yeah so jones um does all that shit the show does all that shit and then three days after the taping on march 9th 1995 schmitz received an anonymous sexually suggestive note on his doorstep and assumed it came from Amager. so then he went to a store and purchased a 12 gauge shotgun went to Amager's mobile home and allegedly asked if it was he who sent the note. And when Amager allegedly confirmed, Schmitz then very much not allegedly fired two shots point blank into Amager's sh- chest. Okay. So, yeah. I can understand being on TV and being felt very taken advantage of and put on the spot. Oh, I, and I, I can understand. Sorry, go ahead. I can understand not being interested when getting the note. I don't understand the enraging thing that forced you to be like, okay, well now this guy has to die. So, like, you could just be like, dude, I'm just not interested. Well, because I and I should have mentioned this earlier. The episode has not aired yet at this point in the timeline. So, it's okay. coming closer and closer to so, that time, and he's getting like. It's like when you it's like yeah. when you you feel like you're going to throw up and your stomach just starts hurting more and more and more the closer you get to Mount Fuji levels of explosion. It's yeah. just that so he's just getting more and more worked up because Yeah, so it of wasn't this a live thing. No. It wasn't a live show, it was a live studio audience. Yes. Yes. Okay. Got it. And now he's worried that all his friends and family are going to see this. Right. And people and he doesn't, he doesn't know want- are going to see it. Yeah, and he feels he feels embarrassed by it. Right. And obviously this is like the early 90s homophobia was a lot rampant more heightened. Yeah, it like it's not it's not at the worst level that it ever was, but, no, it, but it's is, it was more heightened back then than it is say today. Right. Right. I and mean, if that happened today, that wouldn't even happen today because people would be like that's really fucked up. Yeah. 
No. But I you mean, do that to somebody on TV. But to set the stage, and I think we'll talk about this in a later episode, like 1996, this is two years before Matthew Shepard was killed. Yeah. So that's about where we are in terms of how society yeah. feels about homosexuality. Like, clearly, because they're turning it into a sideshow act on this, like, the equivalent of, like, a trash magazine tabloid of a TV yeah. show. Yeah, and you know everybody working on that show thought this was a big, funny joke, and everyone was gonna laugh and laugh oh, and wait. laugh. Oh, wait. Oh, Jesus. Wait. So, after this, a few minutes later, Schmitz went to a payphone at a gas station near his sister's house, called 911, and confessed to the murder, saying, quote, I just walked in the room and killed him, end quote. And so while the cops are obviously coming, um, the 911 yeah. operator asked him why he shot Amager, and Schmitz replied, quote, because he played a very fucking bad thing on me. He took me on Jenny Jones, end quote. Hmm, okay. So Schmitz was immediately arrested, of course, and then he confessed again to the murder, this time on videotape, and was charged with first-degree murder and committing a felony with a firearm. So his attorneys, James Burdick and Fred L. Gibson, argued that he was of diminished capacity. Um, they uh -huh. claimed that he didn't have the mental health to commit premeditated murder. Like, he wasn't mentally healthy enough to, like, think this through and everything. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And according to their theory, he snapped after finding the note on his doorstep, and they attributed this overreaction to a combination of manic depression and Graves' disease, which is a thyroid gland disorder that can cause people to behave irrationally and violently and angrily and all of the shit that he did. Yeah. So, however, <laughs> then there's the prosecution who they were led, yeah. it, that team was led by Roman Kalitiak. Um, I thought I got everybody's names, damn. Um, but he started out as an assistant county prosecutor in Oakland County, Michigan, that was appointed to senior trial attorney for high profile prosecutions a couple years before this trial took place. Uh -huh. um, obviously, he disagreed. So he said that though Schmitz may have been embarrassed by this taping, um, it didn't justify him killing Scott Amager, which, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, no fucking shit. Like, yes. Yeah, no one deserves <laughs> to die, even for this, like, shit, kind of the shitty position yes, you put him and, in. And he put him in, well, that's the other thing, too. He didn't necessarily, like, we'll get into the culpability, like, who is to blame. But at the same time, the show could have easily said, no, we don't want to do this. No, because the show, the show seems to me like, if you've ever seen Parks and Rec, it seems like the Joan, Joan Calamazzo show. show. Yep. Yes. Yep. The Joan gotcha. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or you just got jammed. Feels like. Yes. That's exactly, yeah, exactly what this is. So. So it, it feels like that. So like he contacts the show saying, hey, I want to uh, talk to somebody that I am attracted to, but I'm afraid to do it like any other way mm -hmm. and then obviously they're gonna be like oh this is so juicy this is a perfect show this is they're only thinking of ratings yeah well and on top of that again he's gay so they're treating that like as i uh, sound like a broken yeah, that's record like a punchline yeah like he's he's yeah. it's more like ooh, this is so weird and different and it's like nah bitch 
uh, yeah, I wonder what the reaction would have been if it was a straight couple, if they would have been like, eh, actually, we don't want to do that. Yeah, like the whole, literally the title of the episode was Same Sex Secret Admirers. Yeah. It wasn't like it was, oh, except Schmitz wasn't made aware of this. But um, Yeah, so that's fucked up. Yeah, so the prosecution argued that because Schmitz drove to one store to purchase the shotgun, then to another store to buy ammunition, and then drove to Amager's home to kill him, that demonstrated yeah, clear plenty of time. Yeah, premeditation. Yeah. 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 Any of those stops, you could have thought, you know what? Maybe I just go and talk to the guy and tell him I'm not interested. Maybe I should return these and just buy a fuck ton of marshmallows. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just uh, not deal with this. Hit pause for a sec. Yeah. But, um, so the prosecutors then contended that when Schmitz went to Amager's mobile home, Schmitz became violent and they also like not not proved it but you know what i mean like they they gave an indication um an example of this was that the police report showed that there was an upturned chair at the crime scene which implies that amager was trying to defend himself that there was a struggle oh okay so despite all of this during a pre-trial hearing judge francis x o'brien ruled that schmitz's confessions were inadmissible schmitz's inadmissible um <laughs> schmitz's confessions were inadmissible because the first confession during the 911 call was made without schmitz being read his miranda rights and the second videotaped confession was made while his right to counsel was being violated okay so now so we've got he confessed twice they're saying they can't use they're it. they're saying you can't use it yeah so okay on december 11 1995 jenny jones was then called to the stand to give her deposition and she insisted that the episode had no connection to the shooting, even though the episode... Really? Well, wait, and it's very interesting she says that, because if that's the case, then why was the episode never aired? They ended up never yeah. putting it on TV. You can find segments of it that were, like, used by, say, like, Inside Edition or the news yeah. and shits like... Shits. Shits. And shit like that. But, like, wouldn't that indicate some responsibility? Like, just a little bit? And the fact that he said... He named the show in his 911 oh, call Oh, we'll get confession. into that. Oh, we'll get into You're going to say that. it's not fucking related? Oh, honey, wait. Oh, girl. Oh, girl. So, Jenny Jones contended that Schmitz was told that his admirer could be either male or female, though the defense claimed that the producers led Schmitz to believe his secret admirer was female. And furthermore, uh -huh. a note from a Jenny Jones staff member to Jenny Jones was included amongst the evidence, and it stated that Schmitz was hoping his crush would be a woman. And it then said, quote, Scott has an inkling that John is bisexual, end quote, and that John was, quote, going to die when he sees it's Scott, end quote. Mm. Little did we know okay. it would be reversed. And Scott was yeah. going to die. But anyway, so then on November 12th, 1996, the jury opted against charging Schmitz with first degree murder and instead found him guilty of second degree murder and illegal possession of a firearm in commission of a felony. So on December 4th, 1996, he was sentenced to 25 to 50 years in prison with the possibility of parole in 20 years. Mm. Yes. So then in 1999, the Amager family filed a lawsuit against the Jenny Jones show Warner Brothers and the production company Telepictures for their ambush tactics and negligence that led to their family member's death, their son's death. 
Um, yeah. The trial caused a frenzy in the media um, to the point that it was aired in full on court TV. Everybody watched oh, it. Oh, wow. Yeah, like full coverage, everything. So yeah. the prosecuting attorney, Jeffrey Feger, focused on proving that the producers lied to Schmitz to make him come on the show. Uh, he argued that they misled him by refusing to tell him that his secret admirer would be a man and uncovered that they told him it could be a man, a woman, or a transgender person, which is problematic in and of itself. Um, yeah. Very icky. Very, And that also kind of calls back to what I keep saying. Like, they're treating them... They're, they're treating these people like they're not people. They're treating them like they are yeah. circus freaks. Yeah, but it's also very late 90s thinking. I know, I know, but still, it's gross. Um, so the prosecution argued that the producers knew Schmitz did not want his secret admirer to be a man. And allegedly, Schmitz told producer Karen Campbell that he did not want a man telling him about a secret crush on national television. Um, yeah. Figure also suggested that this was why the producers chose not to identify the sex of Schmidt's admirer at all to Schmidt. Um, Interesting. In addition, it was pointed out that another producer, well, they're both former producers, but um, Ron Muccianti, um, that he allegedly told Schmidt's that he had just seen the girl of his dreams, like as a quote, like, oh, I just walked mm. past the quote, girl of your dreams. Yeah. End quote. So, furthermore, not great. Yeah, they're lying to him. Yeah, but they're saying, oh, no, we didn't do it. Um, yeah, we specifically didn't tell him any information. Except, you know. made it seem like... Yeah. Yeah. When you say the girl of your dreams... Yeah. I don't know about you. I'm picturing And fucking- you're on a secret admirer show? Yes! So, focusing on the testimony regarding Schmitz's um, excessive drinking and alleged depression after the show, Figure claimed that Jenny Jones, the show, sent him into a downward spiral with his depression growing as the broadcast date of the show came closer, and that this is what led him to murder Amager. Um, Mm -hmm. His appearance was even noted, he pointed out, during the 911 call because it was one of the first things he mentioned. He was like, I killed a man, shot him in the room. Why? He put me on Jenny Jones. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then Schmitz's father, Alan, as well as his employers at the Fox and Hounds restaurant and his sister all testified that he was noticeably disturbed by the experience on the show and that they all urged him to, quote, put it behind him, end quote. Um, they even brought in an airline passenger who sat next to Schmitz to testify. And wow. that passenger said that he seemed really preoccupied with the experience on the show and said that he could get angry if he really thought about what happened. Yeah. So Figer also emphasized Schmitz's mental health history, particularly focusing on his previous suicide attempts and said that the producers of Jenny Jones should have asked Schmitz whether or not he had been hospitalized for mental illness prior before bringing him yeah. on the show. Yeah. The family also, and I thought this was really great, so Amager's family also believed that the show should have, or at least could have, provided post-show counseling for Schmitz to make sure he was okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, obviously. <laughs> but But also very big of scott's the victim's family to be like oh no he should have gotten help um yeah 
So then the defense, led by attorney James Feeney, argued that the show had no reason to suspect that Schmitz would have killed Amager after the show, and that Schmitz's behavior and answers in a pre-show interview did not suggest that he was homophobic or had the potential for violence. Uh, Feeney conceded that Feeney... Um, I don't know why that just occurred to me that his last name was Feeney. Mr. Feeney conceded that I want you to picture him from now on. Um, don't know what this man looks like, but now we know. He conceded that Schmitz was aware his admirer could be, that there was potential for him to be a man. And that there was potential embarrassment. Um, all of this, he said, was revealed in the pre-show interview. And Mm -hmm. when asked during his pre-show interview how he would react if his crush was a man, he said that he would say, quote, thanks, but no thanks, end quote. That's what he said on the show, too. Yes. Um, And Schmitz, he said further um, that Schmitz said he would be disappointed and that the situation could be embarrassing, but insisted he would be okay. Feeney also stressed that Schmitz's behavior during and immediately after the show did not illustrate his alleged embarrassment. And on a tape of the show, Schmitz is seen smiling and appears to be handling the surprise revelation well. And Muccianti... He was in front of a studio audience, though. And also, how many times... Like, I know I do this. My dad and I once watched, like, this video... It was, it was like something, it was like a prank video or something, but you weren't supposed to know it was a prank, something like that. And this dude straight up gets hit by a car. And it turns out they're a stuntman. But still, I am yeah. sitting there laughing wildly. And my dad was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Some people just react that way to terrifying or like uncomfortable instances. Like in that case, yeah. I thought I saw a man die. So of course I'm going to be like. <laughs> yeah. And he's like. He said thanks, but no thanks. And he's trying to be as kind as possible on TV. Yeah, he doesn't want to look like and, a dick on TV. Yeah, because it's not like he's going to walk out and say that, that it's a guy and then like walk straight off the set and be like, nah, fuck this. He could have done that, but then everyone would have been like, oh, look at that dirt bag. Yeah. Well, and again, and, they also brought one of their mutual friends who introduced them on the show as yeah, well. Exactly. So he would have lost a friend probably as a result. Like, I, I, I'm not saying I understand what he did, because obviously what he did is Fucked horrible. Yeah. You, should not, you should not kill a person. But, like, he did say no. And then the guy sent him another note. Yeah. Like, if it was a, if it was a guy doing this to a, a woman, we would be like, okay, this is a little stalkery. Like, she said no already, bro. Like, back off now. So he did say no, and yet he received another message from him. And it's interesting you bring that up um, because we'll get to that in a sec. Um, So Muccianti testified that Schmitz shook his hand and thanked him for having him on the show afterwards. And Feeney also noted that Schmitz partied with Amager and Riley after the show had finished taping and had even made plans with Amager to go shopping for a ceiling fan together. So the defense argued, I was like, oh, that's gay. Um, I was like, and I was like, that's some, yeah. that's, that's not something you do to be like, oh, I'm not gay. I'm like, come on. Yeah. You want to know who gives two hoots but about ceiling like, fans? People who... It's not a, a date. Yeah, exactly. So, like, that's what I'm saying. It's it, not personal, but you know what I mean? It's so mundane. It's like grocery shopping. Yeah. You don't go grocery shopping with, like, 
your random Some, neighbor. You're interested? Yeah. Yeah. Someone you're not interested in. Yes. Um, or maybe you do. I don't know your life. I don't judge. Um, I'm just saying that all the times that I've gone grocery shopping, there's some kind of a personal relationship involved with the person I'm with, whether it's a best friend or someone I loathe entirely or my boyfriend or whoever. Um, But regardless, the defense argued that Schmitz did not kill Amager because of the show, because he did not mention the words, despite mentioning the words Jenny Jones, he did not mention the words humiliation ambush or embarrassment in either his 911 call or the videotape he only mentioned jenny jones okay i'm like but that's the jenny jones show yeah and also you don't necessarily have to like how many times do you sit there if you're feeling for example humiliated you go i feel humiliated you don't, yeah. you don't do that. You don't fucking do that. You explain what happened to make you feel humiliated, maybe. But uh, very rarely do people just go, I feel embarrassed. Yeah, and you don't just feel embarrassed out of nowhere. You feel embarrassed due to something yes. else, yes. due to an external thing that happened. Yes, like going so on the Jenny Jones really, show. Yeah, and being told you have a secret admirer who you are led to believe is a woman, find out it's a guy that you know and you are not into men mm-hmm. in a sexual way. Yeah. And then you're forced to sit there for the entire show while they play back this guy's sexual fantasy of you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they argued that the true reason for the murder was that Amager would not leave Schmitz alone and Schmitz felt like he was being stalked not because of the experience on the show. So that's why I said it was interesting that you should mention like the not letting it go thing, because that's what their argument yeah. was. That it was more in that vein than, oh, I'm but embarrassed. You, but now what I find interesting is that like he hung out with him afterwards and they made plans to like go to Home Depot. Like <laughs> if he was really the capital like of romance, <laughs> but like if you're like, if you want to get away from this and you're super humiliated and you don't want to be a part of this now you're not on the show you don't have to do any of this yeah and don't encourage the behavior if you don't want it yeah like not for Uh, anything because i feel like it is different with girls i will say that because we are conditioned from a young age to be as helpful and non-confrontational and just like willing to just make somebody else comfort comfortable at the expense of our own comfort i i would say it would be different like that if you say to a girl well why didn't you avoid making plans because in that case she could very well fear for her life however this dude clearly wasn't in that position he barely knew amager he was closer to their mutual friend yeah, he barely knew him, but then he hung out with him and made plans with him. But still, getting another message saying, like, how into you this guy is, it's like, yeah, that's, like, uncomfortable. But, like, if it was a woman, your a woman's first reaction would not be, nine times out of ten, would not be to go and get a gun and kill this person. No! Her reaction would be, like tell a trusted friend like hey this really sketchy thing is going on i just want to make you aware in case it escalates yeah and then be told by the cops that you're overreacting like a woman um 
Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Um, so the jury ended up siding with the amateur family and awarded them a $25 million settlement, $6,500 for funeral and burial expenses, $5 million for amateur's pain and suffering, and $10 million per person in the family for loss of companionship and compensation. Whoa. Yes. I didn't know that that was a thing that could happen. Well, kind of, because the judgment was later overturned by the Court of Appeals in Michigan in a two-to-one decision on October October 22nd, 2002. Um, It was ruled that the defendants, quote, had no duty to anticipate and prevent the act of murder, end quote. And the Michigan Supreme Court declined to hear the Amager's appeal of this case, or the overturning of the appeal. Um, Yeah, yeah. So, long story short, the Amager family never received any compensation for Scott's death. Wow. Yes. Like, they never received any of those amounts of money? So they received it, but then when it was overturned, this is in 1999 that that they were awarded this money. In 2002, they were basically told, no, give it all back. I don't know if I don't know then if they ever received it because they could have spent some of that money in that time. So maybe they were told they were going to get it and then it took those couple of years and then they were like, actually, now you're not getting it. Yeah, that that could very well be the case. I don't know. All I know is yeah. that they were that they had to give it back. That's what my wow. research told me. And I was like, oh, shit. Um, so then in sept- to go back a little bit in September 1998. So during this whole lawsuit between the Amagers and Jenny Jones and Warner Brothers and Telepictures. Um, Schmitz's conviction was overturned on appeal to due to jury selection errors. Um, so they just were like, no, yeah, we get it. We're not gonna, this doesn't count. And wow. Yep. And then he was convicted again in 1999 in a new trial. So at sentencing, Schmitz's father, Alan, addressed the court pleading with Judge Wendy Potts for leniency. Um, uh-huh. He pointed out that his son's mental instability and fragile psyche was clearly illustrated in that trial, but could not be brought out in Jonathan's criminal retrial. Um, and he apologized for the Amager's slaying, um, to, to the Amager's for his, their son's slaying, um, yeah. And asked Judge Potts to keep his son's mental health history in mind for her sentencing decision. Um, And Alan said, quote, I've known John has had a very fragile personality. All these things were brought out at the civil trial. Please, Your Honor, be lenient with him. Show him mercy, end quote. Mm. Despite this plea, Judge Potts chose to stand by the both prosecution and probation board's recommendations that Schmitz's sentence remain 25 to 50 years in prison. Mm-hmm. So she then addressed Schmitz and told him that a jury found he had made a calculated decision to kill Amager and that he had three days to reconsider his actions and deal with the humiliation he felt. So after sentencing, she told Schmitz, your sentence, quote, your sentence will rob you of your youth, but not your life, end quote. Because, again, he's 20. Mm, okay. Well, he was 24 at the time of the killing. Now it's 1999. So he's 27. But if it's 25 yeah. to 50, yeah, he'll still be walking. Yeah. Probably. Um, so then John Schmitz apologized to the Amager family and expressed a wish to show his, quote, sorrow 
over the slaying of Amager, saying, quote, I'd like to say sorry to the Amager family. I can't take any of this back. I want to thank all my family and friends who have stood by me, end quote. Real sincere. It's kind of a bullshit apology. Yeah, it's kind of a bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. So then in August 2017, Schmitz was released on parole after serving nearly 22 years of his sentence at Parnell Correctional Facility in Jackson, Michigan. A Department of Corrections spokesperson, spokesperson, spokesperson told People Magazine that Schmitz was granted parole prior to serving the minimum of his sentence because of good behavior credit that he had earned while behind bars. Yeah. Scott's older brother, Frank Amager Jr., told People Magazine that he and his family actually were not made aware that Schmitz had met with a parole board member which would lead to his recommended release by that parole board member until after the meeting had happened. So they didn't even get to go and basically state their case. Yeah, that's pretty fucked up. I feel like any victim's family should be notified. Yeah. When the the person who did the crime is up for any type of parole or getting out of jail or any type right. of thing. Um. So Frank told People Magazine, quote, I guess it's like any other mem- any other person who's lost a family member to murder. They wouldn't feel comfortable about the murderer being released. It might be easier if he was old, an old gray-haired man, but he's still pretty young at 47. He's still got a lot to yeah. go, and my brother doesn't, end quote. Yeah. I'm a jer- I agree with that. I agree, too. Yeah, it's, it's valid. It's a very valid... Then, honestly, they are a lot nicer to him than I think I would be if somebody killed my family member. Um, yeah, exactly. Like Amager said that Schmitz was, he, like he said in this article, um, he agreed that Schmitz was victimized by the Jenny Jones show. Schmitz, not his brother. Which, yeah, wait, yeah, no, which I, which I also agree with. Yes, I but do too. But that doesn't give you the license humiliation does not give you the license to murder somebody no but i'm saying in more of a sense of like he still he had this humanity about him to be able to identify that fact that at the end of the day this is really the jenny jones show that got the ball rolling um yeah and he told people magazine quote I do, and some of my family members do, feel that Jonathan Schmitz was only as much to blame as the Jenny Jones show. Their people are criminals for what they did. Jonathan Schmitz was sort of like a fall guy in their conspiracy, end quote. So. Yeah, because I feel like if if he was just getting love notes from this guy and it wasn't going to be going public beyond if he decided to tell somebody, mm-hmm. this I'm going to guess that this probably wouldn't have happened. I yeah. think the main focus was that it was going to be on tv people were going to see it his employers might see it his family was going to see yeah. it future like love people, interests like a woman that he's interested yeah. in yeah could see it and they're like oh you're just the guy from the uh same sex admirers episode mm-hmm. of the jenny jones show like he wouldn't be able to get away from it right um but that's so that's the case but then we're going to get into the pop culture side a little bit which also kind of crosses over with the case we'll we'll, we'll discuss we'll discuss i also want to point out now you know i put this on our schedule months ago maybe even a year ago yes this was a long ass time ago i believe it was in august because i remember bragging to michael that i had like set up like eight months worth of episodes like that i was ready um yeah at which point he said you have too much time on your hands and you need to seek help um 
So after 12 seasons, The Jenny Jones Show was canceled due to a decline in viewers and ratings in May 2003. One year after the civil lawsuit decision awarding $25 million to the Amagers was overturned. Um, mm. Variety reported at the time that the show's ratings peaked in season four. And that would be the season that came before the murder trial. And it was pointed out that after the trial, there was a noticeable, quote, softening of the content, end quote. Yeah. And you tell me they didn't feel liable. But anyway. Exactly. Jones, who's a former comedian, musician, and now former talk show host, did not return to hosting following the cancellation of The Jenny Jones Show, but rather today has a cooking website and a YouTube channel with one million subscribers, both of which are called Jenny Can Cook. Okay, great. I did not get the opportunity, the privilege, to watch one of these videos yet, but you best be betting that I'm going to watch this. Because I need, I need to see it. I need, I need. Yeah. So, she also has published two books. Um, a memoir in 1997 called Jenny Jones, My Story. And a cookbook in 2006 titled Look Good, Feel Great. Also, very interesting timing that she would publish a memoir a year after this trial. Yeah, because people are talking about you. Yep. Yep. So then in 2008, Jones started a charity project called Jenny's Heroes, through which she gave away money to 100 people who she deemed heroes in the United States. Um, the national program ended in 2011. You can still see the website. It's literally jennysheroes.com. And uh -huh. quite literally, I looked through the blog to get more information, such as like when, it, when the national campaign ended. Um, and it was things like... January 28th, 2008, 1 a.m. I'm starting this project. January 28th, 2008, lunchtime. I'm so excited about this project. Like, she kept, like, a blog, but it was, like, multiple Creepy. times a day, and she would put, like, lunchtime, dinner time, and, like, shit like that. And I'm like, I right, Jenny. Okay. That's so weird. Yep, yep. It was really, the whole thing was just super, like... And it gets weirder. Um, so... That the national version ended in 2011. However, she now operates two smaller branches, one in what is now her home state, which is called Jenny, Jenny's Heroes California, and one called Jenny's Heroes Canada in Ontario, which provides grants for volunteer firefighters. And she it's specifically for Ontario, Canada, because that's where she's from originally. Oh, OK. So it's like her home when she, where she came from and where she is now. Um, that's where okay. she's helping out uh, to get on to move on from Jenny, though. Sorry, Jenny. Um, not really, but like mostly. So Inside Edition recently did an episode on the case in August 2017 in conjunction with Schmitz's release. Um, the mm -hmm. case also was just featured. This is what I want to talk about. Did not plan this. The case was also just featured on a six part docuseries trial by media, which just went on Netflix on May 11th. Yeah, mm -hmm. I haven't started watching it yet, but I, I did like flip to it and watch that little trailer. Well, girl, get and, ready, because uh, this I is know. on it. This is one of the episodes. I know, like, but it like just came out. Yes, it just came out. That's what I'm saying. It's so fucking weird, because I did not plan yeah, for this. Yeah, you had it on the schedule. I did yeah. not plan for this. Um, so basically, I'm psychic. Um, there's a 60% chance that it's already raining. So, <laughs> so, um... 
the the series the docu series is produced by CNN. Uh, Jeffrey Tubin of the New Yorker, Grant Heslov, and George Clooney. And I was like, "Ooh, Amal's getting in your ear." And um, so the series highlights, as I previously kind of suggested, alluded to. Um, six high-profile criminal cases that were largely impacted or exacerbated by the media's coverage of them. Um, which, yeah, this definitely applied. Um, it yeah, ha- and that's big for this podcast. This is kind of what this podcast is about. Oh, girl, if you don't think that I didn't write down in my little true crime notebook, like, different ones that we can cover. Yeah, and we should just talk about the series itself. We really because, should, because it looks fascinating. Yeah. And also, like, we love Amal's husband um yeah so it has a 7.2 out of 10 on imdb and a 78 percent tomato meter rating on rotten tomatoes for whatever reason i couldn't find a google score maybe i wasn't looking hard enough weird yeah maybe they don't like record it until it there's enough um there's enough people saying something about it yeah because it's pretty new it's like two weeks old um so the episode featuring amager's case focuses on the civil suit between Amager's family and the show and the production company and Warner Brothers. Um, Despite the fact that she remained steadfast that the show was not responsible, Jones was asked to participate and refused. And unsurprisingly, Schmitz did, did as well. Yeah. But, so you won't get those little juicy bits. Damn. I know. It's it's a tragedy. But that is the story of the murder of Scott Amager, a.k.a. the Jenny Jones murder show murder. All right. Yeah. Yeah, not the Jenny Jones murder. Nope. She didn't murder anyone and she was not murdered. She didn't murder anyone directly. No. She definitely aided in it. Yes. I'd say so. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's like, so... I was watching Cheaper by the Dozen yesterday. <laughs> Didn't think it would start with this, but okay. It's like the kids soak Ashton Kutcher's underwear in beef so that the dog will attack Ashton Kutcher's ass, which honestly, who doesn't want to attack Ashton Kutcher's ass? Um, right. Why would you put on underwear that smells like beef? Because he but didn't sure. notice. Okay, didn't, great. That, that, suspend your disbelief. It's How a do you not notice? <laughs> so... Because they they soaked it in meat and then they put it in the dryer. It was a whole thing, okay? They tripped him and they had him fall into a pool. So he had to take all of his clothes off. So they had to put the clothes in the dryer and they soak his underwear in meat before they put it in the dryer so that he would just like, it would be enough. Dog senses are very heightened, okay? Okay, okay, okay. My point is. So where is this going? The children are the Jenny Jones show. The dog is Schmitz. The dog goes for Ashton Kutcher's ass. He's the one who physically bites Ashton Kutcher, but the kids soaked the underwear in the meat. Yeah. Dog wouldn't have done that if the kids didn't do Just that. Just gonna put it out there. Just gonna put it out there. <laughs> I think, but I, like, I definitely think he should be in jail for what he did. But also, it's just shitty on both sides. Yeah. Like, he was, he was backed into a corner... But also, he maybe had mental health problems. But also, like, there's so many, like, but this, but this, but this, but it's just a a shitty case. Yeah, it It sucks. sucks. Yeah, it sucks all around. Like, there's no, like, 
obviously there's no winner in any of these cases, but in this especially, there's no both sides are forever yeah. ruined and marred by this. Yeah. yeah. Except for the Jenny Jones show, which went on for several seasons after. That's insane to me. Twelve that seasons. That was allowed. They, they, it ended in what did I say? October two thousand three, May two thousand three, whatever. Yeah, it ended in two thousand three. Like, nineteen ninety six was when this shit was taped. Yeah. And when this shit went down. Like, and I would argue that it went on for so long because there are people that were like, "Oh, now I have to watch this show for when something like crazy happens." Yeah, for when the next murder fucking occurs. Yeah. Anyway, I hate this. Yeah, like not enough to end this podcast, but sometimes this shit (laughs) just—I know—it's very infuriating. Fucked up. But yeah, Yeah. tell them what they've won, Regis. You can go to our website, which is crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. You can go to our social medias. Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, all of those things. Um, you can join our Patreon. We love our, our patrons. Thank you, everyone, especially in this time. Oh, my God, you, yes. You definitely don't have to, but we appreciate massively that appreciate it. Every little bit helps. Um, yes. Um, yeah, so if you can't find the links to anything message us anywhere we have a link tree where everything is linked so you can go and do that um that's that that's it yeah so i guess we will see you next tuesday Ah. Ah. bye bye